Welcome to Stall Warning. I'm your host, Ponchito Ojeda, and I am joined today by MCLA Hall of Famer, Dallas Hartley. How are you doing today, Dallas? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So uh, obviously, we've crossed paths many times as uh, you were a former, former Sonoma State player, and then uh, we got to coach against each other when you were at Chapman. So uh, good to talk to you on a level playing field. Absolutely. How's your family doing with all this uh, quarantine stuff? Doing okay. You know, every day is like Groundhog's Day around here. Um, I've got a seventh grader and a third grader and a preschooler. So they're all different levels of school. And, you know, honestly, it's been a nice family reset to, especially in the spring when I'm usually gone so much. So it's been nice to to be around under the circumstances and, you know, economically and uh, health-wise for a lot of people. It hasn't been great, but for us, it's been um, at least some it's time to enjoy each other and, um, you know, work, work through a lot of the education stuff that I've got going and the, the kids got going. Yeah, man, 100%. It's, it's kind of fun to be at home with the kids. I, you know, I haven't experienced this in a long time of being like home every night and like eating dinner every night together. And it is kind of exciting, actually. Um, and it's fun to watch your kids like get so much better at athletics or school or whatever it is, you know, especially for, I have two preschool age kids. So you, you know this, right? It's like every day it's like, holy smokes, they can do that now. Yeah. They, um, they learn quick. They do. They do. I, I look forward to the seventh grade years, although I'm a little bit like scared of that. It's what's it going to be like? You have any advice for me? Um, keep the communication <laughs> going and yeah, give them space and, you know, let them speak their mind. It's, it's, it's not an easy time for a lot of kids. Um, you know, we all had different middle school, uh, I don't know, middle school educations and, and social, uh, social parts of our life. But, um, no, I think, I think our daughter's really enjoying it and it's hard for her to be away from friends because she is so social, but it's been great for us because she's gone all the time. You know, she's always at friend's house or playing with her friends and it's been kind of nice to have her around the house. Yeah. I mean, the, the middle school years are definitely some very socially awkward days. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, so, but a little bit less socially awkward was your uh, trip to Sonoma state, you know, back in, 1996, graduating from San Diego. San Diego. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. Nice. And uh, and you head off to Sonoma State. You know, tell us a little about your experience uh, getting recruited by Coach Hughes uh, up at SSU. Well, I would I I wouldn't say I was recruited. I answered the phone at uh, a, a big recruit, Alan Balzer, my best friend, best man at my wedding. Later on. Um, I answered the phone at his house when Coach Hughes had called him. He was heavily recruited. And I said, hey, I got into Sonoma State. I'm coming up there. And he said, that's great. Can I talk to Alan? <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah. And so we went up and visited. Um, I went with Alan and his dad. We had a great trip. And Alan was a really good attackman, great scorer for Sonoma State in his four years, four-year starter. And yeah, he was the man. Uh, he was really good. And he's he's got a really high lacrosse IQ, great coach as well. Um, but he, yep. He basically, I wanted to go to school with a friend. I'd only applied to Sonoma State and Cal Poly, got into both and ended up choosing Sonoma State. Cal Poly's really good at lacrosse now. They weren't uh, so good back then. But lacrosse wasn't a big part of my decision. I just wanted to go with some friends and 
you know, go study history at a, at a school that is basically in Northern California. I kind of wanted to get away from home. Um, and I thought lacrosse would be, you know, it, it was, there were, I don't know if there were tryouts per se, um, mainly just, you know, come on out and if you got a good attitude and you work hard then we'll keep you. And I was a midfielder at that point in my life, uh, short stick. So my, most of my freshman year, I just kind of ran, you know, I don't know, fourth or fifth or how, whatever the last line was, that was my line. Uh, we didn't really run, you know, there really weren't D mids or O mids. So, you know, you had to pull your weight on both sides of the field. And as such a, I only played like six games in high school. I started as a senior and was coming back off a pretty big knee injury and skateboarding. So I really didn't have a lot of experience. So by the time I got to Sonoma, I was really just trying to learn the game um, and work hard. And, and I, I knew that at some point I'd probably get some, some playing time, um, but it didn't happen quick. I think I started once I moved to long pole like the last couple games of freshman year. And that was because of two injuries in front of me. So that that's sort of, you know, high school, I think we played, I didn't play much. We ended up making it to the championship and losing to Poway, who was a really, oh, wow. really good in the nineties. I think they won almost all the championships. And, they yeah, had, and they're, now they're, they're really good again now. Yeah. And they had a lot of great players and a lot of, a lot of players that became really good friends of ours and played club with, um, yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't that the Ted Tiffany, Steve Johnson group of guys who played at Poway? Yeah, Oliver Day, Chris Everett, um, Alex Day. Sonoma State had a lot of really good players from Poway. In fact, between Poway and San Diego, almost all of our players were either from San Diego or from one of those two programs. Yeah, well, and that's a uh, you know credit to Coach Hughes, right? He opened up that recruiting pipeline down to to San Diego and with Alan and, you know, consequently, uh, you as well, which is very exciting. And, uh, so, you know, freshman year, you're, you're riding some pine, but you're, you're busting your butt, which is, which makes perfect sense of why you got to where you did. Cause that's totally coach Hughes' model. And, uh, so you, as a sophomore through senior year, you, you start as an all-star and first team all tournament and all American as junior and senior, you know, tell us about that transformation from, you know, day one, short stick midi to, a Hall of Fame long stick uh, player. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate for the times, right? Um, you know, nobody really got recruited out of the West Coast to go to the East Coast. I think, you know, the, the first couple guys that did, Spencer Wright, um, there were, you know, it, it, basically everybody was staying in the MCLA and finding a program on the West Coast if you were from the West Coast. So, um. I think I benefited from the times, you know, it used to be that the long stick midi was like the fourth or fifth best pole and they would just run, you know, you may or may not run them on wings and then you would send them in there for defense. Um, If you sent in a pole, you know, a lot of times teams were just content playing with three short sticks out there. So when I moved to pole and I understood, you know, the transition and clearing game really well as a midfielder or somewhat well, and when I went to pole, I was, I was very offensive minded and, you know, a lot of teams don't drive on the long stick, especially back then it was, and even today in many cases, you know, plant them on the crease, make them play team right. defense, make them rotate. Bury the pole. Bury the pole. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time on the crease and sliding and recovering. And, um, I had pretty good stick skills since I started as a short stick and I understood offense and I had a coach that, you know, basically just gave me the green light, green light to make plays and, and 
you know, I don't know, maybe it was a product of just a lot of teams not having experienced long stick middies, but I, I think I showed out because most teams just ran their fourth or fifth best guy. Maybe they had poor stick skills. Um, but we, you know, we had a full field ride. We, we pressured like crazy. Uh, we had a really good team and I was able to just pick up ground balls off the wings and push transition on offense, which was my favorite thing to do. And, uh, you know, it, it, as I got older, you know, that basically my fourth year as a senior, that was only my, you know, four and a half years of playing lacrosse. So the experience really helped. And, you know, Coach Hughes giving me the green light to just kind of play my style, get up and down the field um, was awesome. In fact, yeah. great cool. Coach Hughes story. So senior year, he said, you know, I'd like to stay on and play a lot of offense. So he said, okay, if we win the ground ball on the faceoff, you get to stay on and play offense within reason. And, you know, obviously no shot clock. So, you know, early offense and then, you know, the first time through sixes, I would get to kind of run around and play offense, which was it, which was great for me. Maybe not the most fun thing for the for the midfielders behind me. Yeah, I mean, uh, so you were basically uh, Larkin Kemp just about 20 years earlier. Yeah, without the size, speed, skill and <laughs> studliness. Yeah. A lot of us lack those things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Coach Hughes, uh, one of the great coaches, uh, of all time in MCLA and certainly built Sonoma from the ground up, but did a great job. And I think you guys are a big part of that. It's pretty exciting to see you guys do that. And, you know, so you, so you play senior year, you guys are, you know, contenders making the national tournaments and obviously you graduate. And then the following year, you know, coach Hughes has stepped down. He's, he's moved on and coach Carl comes in, but before that's uh, you, uh, James Kraft, uh, and Alan Balzer ran fall ball at Sonoma in 2001. Is that correct? And Pat Ferguson, who stayed on. Uh, Pat coach. Ferguson. Yeah. Oh, nice. Pat stayed yeah. on coach for quite a few years after with Doug. Um, so, yeah, we ran fall ball while we were searching for a uh, head coach candidate, which was fun. And, we, you know, we were all a year out of college, so we were basically the same age as the kids. Um. <laughs> But it was a really good experience for us. And, you know, all of those, you know, be between Pat and Alan, you get a lot of lacrosse IQ. And, you know, we knew what we wanted out of the program. And we interviewed a couple candidates. Doug was certainly the best candidate we interviewed and um, was willing to move and take the job. Um, and he reminded us a lot of John Hughes in the interview. And when we spoke to him, you know, he's a big guy. He's confident. Um, you know, he wanted to hang his hat on defense and sort of that blue collar mentality that we, that we had. And, and so Doug came on in 2001 and that year we won our first WCLL championship, which was cool. Um, we had, we had been a really good team, but you know, we, at that point, Whittier, who was D3 and really good was in the WCLL. So, uh, they won almost all the time. Cal was able to beat him in 98, which was a really cool story for the WCLL championship, but yeah. we struggled. Uh, we lost to them 99 and 2000 and then they left and our team was able to beat uh, Santa Barbara in 2001 in the WCLL. So pretty cool. My first year as an assistant coach um, at Sonoma state, we won the WCLL for the first time. So that was a big step forward for the program. You know, we had lost, we had lost in 99 and 2000 in the semis of the MCLA uh, championships. We lost by a goal to Colorado State in 99, and it was my thought 
and I'm biased that whoever won that game was going to win the national championship. Right. Uh, we lost by one to them and they ended up beating Simon Frazier. And then in 2000, we lost to BYU who we had beaten pretty handily in the regular season, a really good BYU team in 2000. And they beat us in the semis uh, that year as well. So we, uh, we were, we were close. Um, and ultimately Sonoma state was able to overcome that in 2002 with an incredible team and, and, uh, finally won that national championship. We were all seeking. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a great story. Obviously you guys did a good part in building it up and then, uh, Doug took the torch and, and, uh, took a great group of guys, MJ, Ben Alexander, Jamie Dale's on the team. And, uh, was Ferguson still the goalie that year? No, no, Dominic uh, Gomez, Gomez is the goalie. That's right. You know, there's, what was it? Two Hall of Famers on that team, and Gomez and uh, MJ, right? For MJ. So, yeah, so I mean that was a great squad, and obviously uh, guys who have been huge impact on Sonoma State for a long time, and and still to this day. And uh, you left a great legacy. So, but after 2001, you you walk away, you move back down south, and you start coaching at LCC uh, as a JV head coach. Yes. Yeah, so uh, what was that like going from college boys to freshman in high school? It was actually really fun. So I moved, my hometown is Encinitas, California. That's where San Diego High School is. So they opened up a new high school the year after I graduated from high school, and that's La Costa Canyon. And so that's the high school that I would have gone to. Um, San Diego is now an academy, and La Costa Canyon is sort of the the, high, the public high school. They're both public high schools, but you got to choose which one you want to go to. La Costa Canyon is, tends to be better at sports. Um, so sure. I took a job over there. It's the hometown. I was, I don't know, 22 years old. And I was the JV head coach. And we did well. We we lost one game. We lost to Tory uh, at home. Then we beat them in the, uh, in the second regular season game at their place. And then we... It was cool. So the JV teams don't usually play in playoffs. So we scheduled a third game against Tory, like a rubber match. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, their coaches were into it. We were into it. We were calling it like the championship and we ended up winning. So we, we lost one game and we sort of avenged that loss later on. And it was just really fun coaching, um, coaching, you know, 15 and 16 year olds uh, and being able to sort of get creative and what I was doing, we weren't, we weren't doing exactly what the varsity was doing. The, the, the head coach at the time just kind of gave me the freedom to do whatever I wanted. And, um, you know, I got to, I got to coach offense. I got to coach man up. I got to coach face off. So I got to coach everything outside of just what I was normally used to, which was coaching defense. So for me as an expansion on coaching and, uh, learning how to teach it, you know, makes you a better player. And I was still playing a bunch at that time in club with the 40 thieves and with the usual suspects. And so for me as a player, it made me better and, and certainly got my hands wet a little bit or my feet wet, I should say as a coach. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, you your head coach JV, uh, you know, you guys have a great year and then you, and after the following year, um, coach Tony Mack ends up leaving LCC and you take over for him. And then you guys go on this incredible run where 2003, 2010, you're, and eight straight championships, you win four of them. Uh, you know, tell us what it was like as a coach, particularly at that young age, to you know be be part of such a great um, run and just kind of what that felt like, and kind of maybe also like how how did you get there? Like how did you guys get to be at that level of play? 
Well, Lacoste Canyon, um, I was coaching with Toddy Mack. I was an assistant running the defense. It was great. And I've always wanted to be an assistant coach again. <laughs> before, I guess. Um, it's pretty cool, though. Assistant coach is great, right? You get to just hand everything off and be buddies. Yeah, you, you're your side of the ball and, you know, you compete and you don't have to worry about all the things that come with being a head coach. But um, yeah. he ended up leaving the program halfway through and I took over. So I was, you know, I mean, 23 years old, 24 years old. And I was young. I was in credential school. So I was trying to become a teacher and I really wanted to teach at La Costa Canyon and do my student teaching there. So I wasn't really in a position to kind of leave. So I said, Toddy, do you care if I stick around and be the head coach? And, you know, he was gave me his blessing. He didn't care. So I took over as head coach in 2003. Uh, we had a good team. We certainly weren't great. Um, we ended up kind of sneaking past, I believe, Coronado in the semifinals and, and made it to the championship. We ended up losing a low-scoring game uh, to Torrey Pines, actually two years in a row. Torrey had a really good team and the Williams brothers. And, um, you know, I was a young coach and we were still trying to, I was still trying to figure out who to put on the coaching staff. Um, the first year I just coached alone. And then, Oh my gosh, that sounds awful. Yeah, I was, I was very reluctant to add like either local parents or anybody I didn't trust as a coach. I really wanted to put together a staff that I could trust the guys. And, you know, we all had the same idea. So the next year I added Jesse Foss, who's become a friend um, to the coaching staff. He had played at Stony Brook. He actually came to San Diego as a junior and played for a little while. That's where I first oh, really? got home. So then he, he moved back into town and I, he was on the staff as of 2004 Again, we made the championship lost. So, you know, it was like losing two straight. So I'd lost like, you know, every WCLL championship in college. I lost the high school championship in high school my senior year. Uh, we lost the first two championships in 2003 and 2004. I was convinced at that point that like the national anthem, because they never really played the national anthem, only in the big games. I was convinced <laughs> the national anthem and, and championships were just not my thing. Did you did you call uh, Mike Brand and commiserate with uh, his Buffalo Bills? <laughs> oh, anytime you can take a shot at Mike, that was that was me. No, uh, we, we we love Brand, man. We of love. Of course him. we do. Um, so then we in 05, we had, we basically had a bunch of freshmen that joined the team in two thousand three, and we played like all freshmen and sophomores. Uh, there were a couple upperclassmen sprinkled in, but by 05, we had a bunch of guys with with a lot of experience who were g- juniors. And we were able to get our first championship. Um, we beat Rancho Bernardo in 2005. And then in 2006, we beat Poway. So the two straight championships, 07, lost again to Torrey, really good team. Uh, 08, we beat Coronado. And 09, we lost to Coronado. And in 2010, we beat Torrey. So two of those seasons, 05 and 2010, we went undefeated and won championships, which was really cool. Um, what, what I'm almost more proud of is that in the other years that we made it to the semis or excuse me, to the championship, you know, we had huge games in the semis where a lot of them were upsets where like we did a great job just to get there. Sure. Sure. It actually reminds me a lot of 2017 no, when we didn't have our best team at Chapman, but we were able to kind of push through the MCLAs and get to the championship ultimately losing, but just to get there was, was a pretty good, uh, effort for us. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, we, we talked a little about these teams and, you know, you 
it, it was pretty cool to obviously it's awesome that you and Jesse both coach together now. Coach Foss is the head coach at Concordia Irvine. And they've right. certainly been very successful uh, well under his tutelage. And uh, and then a lot of your young men have gone off to be very successful in college. You know, a number of them at Sonoma State and Cal Poly and Chapman and wherever else. Um, so it was cool to see that. And you talked a little bit about how smart they were and how much they were able to to take in. You know, was it was it fun as a coach to be able to like just be like kind of throw out wild ideas and have young men like just be eating it up and understand it? Yeah, if all the, all the coaches that have probably coached me are laughing, um, I like to change <laughs> a lot uh, and adjust. Uh, oftentimes, without a necessity of adjusting, um, and so I, we just like to throw different things at the team in case an adjustment was needed in games, or you know, just just I don't know, maybe for my own boredom. You know, I love I love zone, I love man to man, I love pressure, uh, I love shutting guys off. You know, there's just a lot of things that I like to do defensively and offensively. You know, I like to run a lot of different formations and do a lot of different things. So um, one of the cool things with Foss and I is that, you know, usually he ran the offense and I ran the defense. But um, a couple of years we we switched where I would run the offense and he'd run the defense. And it was it was kind of a refreshing thing. So by the time I took the job at Chapman in 2010, I was pretty comfortable coaching, um, you know, any any side of the ball. Uh, that's awesome. Now that helps to have good players and smart players. So, you know, one of the things that at La Costa Canyon was that I taught on campus. So, you know, the, the students and the student athletes, I was around them all the time. I knew everything they were up to. Um, and you know, we'd eat lunch together a lot. We'd, you know, the kids would scout together, you know, they, we'd give them tests on scouting reports and they just eat that stuff up. Um, they were, they were cool. And so, one of my biggest successes, I think, is that not mine, but this, the kids in 2009 and 2010, uh, they used to give out an award uh, for the state of California for the highest team GPA for um, for for every sport. And so, in boys lacrosse in 2009 and 2010, we got the highest team GPA uh, in the state, and you know we had really good teams as well. So we were we were taking care of business in the classroom uh, you know, and on the field. Right. So 2010, you, you win the, the GPA award, you win the title, you got it all, you know, and then you head to Chapman, you know, a million reasons that could have happened, but tell us about, you know, that, that process in terms of like what you were, what the interview process was like, what your, what your thought process was, you know, obviously it's a big commute from Encinitas to Orange County. Um, California is a huge state. So, you know, for all you non-Californians, it's a good hour at least. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what prompted you to consider that move and, and kind of get yourself at a, at a place like Chapman? You know, it's funny looking back on it 10 years now. Um, I, I, my teaching job is technically owned by the district. It's a great district, North County, San Diego. Um, everybody wants to teach in it if you're a teacher and, you know, they own your, they own your, your contract, but you don't necessarily get to choose which school you teach at. So I was at La Costa Canyon teaching for, since 2005, you know, we'd been to eight straight championships. I thought I was doing a good job as a teacher. I had, you know, I have tenure and all that, but, um, they had opened up the two academies in town, Canyon Crest Academy being the newest one and students were able to choose which school they want to go to. So you can choose any of the four schools, no matter where you live. And our district is probably, 
you know, 200,000 people um, live in the district. So what was happening was Canyon Crest was really known for their academics. They were doing an incredible job. Their API score published in the newspaper and, you know, their kids are all going Ivy League. And it became, it became the academic school um, that was that a lot of people were pushing towards. So their enrollment went from 400 to now they're at like 2,800 rather quickly. So wow. the cost of canyons, a lot of the kids in this area on the, on the on the north side were choosing to go to school there for academics. And we lost a core teacher from each of the um, math, science, social science, uh, and English uh, had to go. And I, even after six years, I was still lowest on the totem pole. So um, they moved my teaching job to Canyon Crest. And I was not, to be honest, super happy about it. Uh, sure. They said I could still coach at La Costa Canyon. I probably would have done that. But at the time, I got a call from Mike Pelly and actually um, CJ and Chris Small's mom, Kathy, who said, hey, the, the Chapman job's opening up. Uh, would, nice. you, would you be interested in it or know anybody that'd be interested in it? And I, you know, at first I was like, I don't know anybody who'd be interested in it. And then I started thinking about it more. And I said, well, it'd be fun to coach college. Maybe I should put my hat in, you know, I'm going to a new school teaching. It'd be kind of weird to teach at one school, coach at another one in the district. And, you know, I've right. had a lot of success at LCC. Do I really want to leave? Um, and so without, you know, leaving La Costa Canyon, I, I took the interview and I applied. And there were some really good candidates, actually. Uh, John Ozissi at Tory uh, was interested in either going to Tory or going, you know, or Chapman. Um, Dylan Sheridan was talking about, uh, applying. He had ultimately took the job at Denver with his right. coach tyranny, which is an incredible opportunity. Yeah, not a bad gig. No. And he's a great coach. And so is this, both good friends of mine and, uh, ultimately applied and got the job. And it was, you know, it was pretty surreal. All of a sudden I'm sitting in my office, which is like right on the midline. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I just took a job that is, 65 miles from my house. It's 80 miles from Canyon Crest. We're going to practice in the afternoons. I just left La Costa Canyon where we had a ton of success. You know, it was, it, it's almost like driving off the car lot in a new car and you're like, Do yeah, I really need to do that. Um, What's the car payment actually on this? Yeah. One? <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was kind of scary. And it, for our family, you know, we had uh, at that point, I, I only had one kid. Tatum and Grayson was born uh, that fall ball. And so we've right. had one more kid since then, but you know, I, my wife has been super supportive. I've coached lacrosse ever since we started dating and got married and um, you know, she said, go for it. And they're used to me kind of been being busy in the spring anyway. So took the job. That's awesome. So, you know, obviously it's uh, you, you get to Chapman and your success has been, you know, well-documented. You guys have a, um, made a bunch of championships, final fours, but, uh, you know, you, you, they're coming off a semifinal loss in 2011, uh, 2010 and a couple of appearances in the final game under coach wood. And, you know, that's a lot of success to follow. And so then you follow that in the first three years at, at Chapman have some challenges, right? Like you, you guys don't hit that final game. And you know, what was that like to kind of, to go through that? Right. It's certainly a little stressful. Yeah, I was still acclimating to the team, to the age group, uh, to Chapman, to the difficulties of the MCLA, trying to get to know new coaches. I mean, quite honestly, coaching high school in San Diego, there's, you know, 
at that point, maybe five to 10 good teams, you know, all the coaches, you know what they like to do. <laughs> you know, the, the strategy part of it is such a big part of it for me. I love, I love scouting. I love game planning. And that w- was all new. And I came to a team that was incredible. They had a lot of success from, you know, 2008 to 2010. Mike Wood didn't get fired because he was a bad lacrosse coach. Um, you know, they, they just weren't seeing eye to eye between him and the, and the AD at the time. He also coached football there. So when they hired a new coach being me, um, you know, it's not like the, the student athletes wanted a new coach. So I came in at a time where they maybe, you know, weren't that excited about having a new coach. Uh, Mike Wood and I style is not super similar. You know, they like, they like to run a gun, they like to get up and down the field. They certainly had the personnel to do it. And not that we didn't, but, you know, I, I think that looking back on a lot of my mistakes early at Chapman, you know, I, I think I could have got to know the players better. Um, you know, it's hard being when you live 65 miles away. I think there was some resentment uh, from the players, maybe not necessarily towards or directed at me, but just the fact that Coach Wood was gone and they were so familiar with him. Uh, right. Um, and I was still kind of figuring out who would be the best people to have on a coaching staff. You know how it is in the MCLA. It's difficult. You know, the assistant coaches don't necessarily get paid super well. Sometimes right. coaches don't get paid super well. It's hard to keep people around and you definitely want alumni, you know, support. And we, we did good in 2011. We, we won the SLC championship. We ended up losing in the quarters to ASU who we had beat the week before in the SLC right. championship. So you know, that was just a tough draw for us. Um, but that 2011 and 2012 team, that might have been outside of our 16 team. You know, those teams might have been equal, if not the early teams better in talent. I mean, we were stacked across the board in talent. I didn't love our chemistry. You know, I think that part of that was me and part of that was, you know, they, they, I don't know that we worked hard enough to get along. There were some really strong personalities on those teams. And I probably should have spent more time, you know, working on the chemistry between everyone rather than X's and O's. Um, and so, you know, you got, you live and learn and, and you figure things out, not to mention we ran into an incredible and, and talented and good ASU team that year. Um, yeah. and in the years to come and Chris Malone was comfortable. He'd been in the MCLA quite a few years before that. Uh, and I consider him a friend and, you know, he, he, we chatted a lot about how to be successful in the MCLA and it, it does kind of take a while to, in my opinion, to, to get used to the teams, the coaches, the travel, the scouting, you know, we don't, we don't share film not everybody shares film and, you know, to try to build these relationships. Um, it takes a while. It does. It does take a little while, you know, and it's, it's not simple and, and you guys were, you had good talent, but you know, I think obviously it's, in the MCLA, it's it's super challenging to build a culture that's consistent year over year, and you know, you and I talked about this. When we were kind of prepping for this podcast, and and one of the things we noticed about Phil Jackson is that ability to coach individual players and be willing to adjust to to meet those needs. In the MCLA, that's more important than ever, and you know, that was clearly something that you got really talented at because your teams went, you know, from being good to, to great. Right. And, and that culminated in 2016 with that championship run and, and big win over Cal Poly. Um, you know, tell us what that year was like that, that run of the, the title. That's a big year for us. We had, um, kind of the stars aligned. We had, you know, for my first couple of years coaching, we'd have like 50 kids on the team. And I always thought coming from a high school, 
you know, uh, that we did pretty well. We would carry about 28 on a team. Now you could bring up JV guys or scrimmage JV if you needed to, but I really struggled coaching 50 people. It just, it, 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 you basically have three teams. You have your starters, you have your backups, and then you have like what we call the futures, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, outside of calling them, you know, double backups. Uh, So you had all of these people that you had to manage and we finally got the roster down to about like the high thirties that year. And it, it just so happened that like five or six guys, which always happens in this MCLA, you know, they play fall ball and then they quit right before the spring season starts, whether their school loads too much, they want to be more social or they just, you know, disappear. We ended up with like in the high thirties numbers with all kids that were basically starters and futures. So the backups went away. So everybody had an investment and they thought, wow, I could get time or I will see time next year. You know, just, it it was kind of one of those things where the stars aligned like that. And we were ultra talented. I mean, we had, we had a bunch of guys coming back from 2015 where we sort of got our feet wet. Um, You know, we had two big, strong attack men, one left-handed, one right-handed and Steve Caressel and uh, Dave, and we we came scott jackson our assistant coach offensive coach at the time decided let's run this open set let's plant our two big lefties and righties right on the posts and let's let wes greason and dylan garner uh run two-man games on the wings with you know guys like connor riley and simon jenkin and regan kelly and and we basically just ran that open set with pairs and our two big guys on the posts and it was incredible for us. We we just could, had the ability to get to the middle of the field. And Wes and Dylan going against long poles was, you know, just green light all day. Those guys are two of the best Dodgers that we've ever we've ever had for sure. Yeah, that was, that was a great team. That offense was incredible. And it wasn't like you guys were, were weak on the defensive end. You, you know, you had uh, Gradinger and Goal and Mullen and – yeah. And crossing, yeah. I mean, you guys are studs. Cross the yeah. crossing, and Alex Siegel at LSM. Uh, Nikki Mullen ended up getting hurt halfway through the season, and you know we had our ups and downs that season. We had um, Nikki Mullen tear his ACL. Uh, we had a couple guys get hurt, including uh, Gradinger. He didn't play in the first game in the MCLAs or in the SLCs. We actually won with um, a second and a third goalie for the SLC championship. We act, that was the first year we could compete at faceoff. Simon Jenkins, as a junior, uh, had a great year at the faceoff X, and we got to run him as a second line midi. Which you know, to have Simon running second line midi is is a you know luxury of riches. Yeah, so, he's a, he's Jeff, yeah, Jeff Shriver, Nikki Mullen, uh, Crossin, Siegel, and Gradinger is probably our smartest uh, player to ever play to Chapman in, in goal. So we. You know, we just had really smart, hardworking players all over the field, and everybody kind of bought in. When Nicky Mullen went down, this is a funny coaching story. We, you know, I mean, he's a first-team All-American. He's a huge stud for us. And we're thinking, okay, well, how do we, you know, we've got some guys, but we also have a player on campus who's not playing that had played the two years before. And we didn't – I was like, do we call him, you know, is – is you know, he's played before he wasn't playing because he wanted to focus on, on academics. So, you know, we're thinking, do we call, you know, Justin Jones and, or Jonesy and we're like, 
I tell the assistant coaches, I'm like, I don't care if it ruffles some feathers, you know, like we're calling him. And sure. he came back and he was a total stud for us. I mean, he started at LSM his freshman and sophomore year for us. So I called Justin and I said, here's the deal, dude. We, we've got like our last game against Santa Barbara and we've got the SLCs coming in the MCLAs. Like you, you think you can focus and, and, you know, you can still do your studies and everything will be fine and you can rejoin us. And the team wasn't really upset about it. They, they knew that he had started for us. He put in the hard work and he just, it's not like he quit to go, you know, be part of a frat or something. He just, <laughs> right. right. So we bring it's him back. Cool. And, like not, not a bad thing to like go get A's. Yeah. We bring <laughs> him back and you know, we're like, okay, we got to make him earn it. He's got to, you know, we got to get him back in shape. And as of the first practice, he's just running circles around people in shape, uh, you know, good stick skills. <laughs> and by like the first game he's starting and he played all the way through and he guarded the, the other team's number one attackman, like all the way through the playoffs. That's so, awesome. you know, had he quit for the wrong reasons, I think it would have been a, a problem for us, but the, the players in, embraced him and he came back and, you know, that was huge for us. We, we, we got to sort of, you know, put somebody in Nicky Mullen's place, and that was a that was a good team for us. Yeah, that was a that was a great team. And then you followed up with two uh, final championship appearances in seventeen and eighteen. You know, good good runs and and close games, uh, tough losses, but uh, close games. And you know, obviously, you guys are were looking like you were going to be one of the teams to beat this year as well. So. You know, tell us a little about the Chapman of the future. What's it looking like in twenty twenty one? Well, we lose some really impactful seniors unless they come back for grad school uh, or they need to finish. But it looks like all six will be probably gone. Um, you know, Wiley Bonham, who's had an incredible career, Pucci Stimler, who's had an incredible career, both great left handed attackmen for us. Uh, Fran Bonadies, who was out. Uh, last year with a torn ACL came back this year and he was off to a hot start. So he looks like he's going to go to grad school. He should come back. That'd be awesome. You know, a, a huge loss, Parker Halliburton at face off. Um, oh man. I, mean, I remember talking to that young man when he was in high school, I called him, I saw him play for the first time. Like maybe I think it was like, I don't know, December. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, yeah, come to Sonoma. And he's like, I'm like, did you apply? He's like, no, I'm like, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it then rest is history yeah he's a little bulldog man and and he worked really hard and by his junior year you know he's one of the best face-off guys in the country unfortunately for him he went down with a broken collarbone in the second quarter against south carolina in, oh. our, in our semi game and that was a great face-off battle um because their guy's one of the best in the country and and so is ours and when he went down it was it was pretty deflating uh, but he was off to like an 80% win percentage this year. And, you know, it, it, I'm bummed that I don't get to see him finish out his career. Uh, yeah, he's an animal on the field, but he's also just a really nice young man. Like really good, hardworking dude. Great locker room guy. Oh, yeah. Captain for us. He was the sort of the captain of our work study team, too. So all the, he managed all the work that the kids did. And nice. he, did, he was the most helpful student athlete for me by far the last two years. Nice. Nice. So you're going to lose some, some seniors, uh, obviously all those names, everyone who's listening will know who those guys are. They're, they're studs, but, uh, you know, do you have some good young freshmen coming up or what's it look like? Yeah. So, um, well, our senior classes is returning was the group that was all freshmen when we went undefeated until we lost to Michigan state in the finals in 2018. So that group is, is about 10 strong and they're all coming back. 
Um, oh, nice. And a lot of good leaders in that group. Our junior group is tiny. It was one of these weird years where, you know, we have the same recruiting philosophy every year and we just didn't end up with a lot of the guys that we were going after. So I think there's only five guys in that class. Yeah. It looks like five on your roster. Yeah. So, but last year's freshman class was ultra talented and there was 16 of them. And then we've got uh, 16 guys coming in this year and we're really excited about uh, the talent that's coming in. So hopefully we can get them to play the Chapman way and work hard. And um, you know, that, that gives us about 40 guys, which is perfect. And, you know, we've got a lot, we got a lot to work on on every side of the, the ball, but uh, really excited about the group that's coming back. That's awesome. And uh, you want to give us uh, any insight into who's on the schedule for 2021 or is that all secret right now? Yeah, sure. No, we're, we have a plan to go to uh, out to Boston, which we're really excited about. We've got a couple players from the Connecticut area. Nice. So, um, decided, you know, why don't we try to get out there? Boston college has come and played us. Northeastern's come and played us. And, uh, so we're, we're looking forward to that. We've got, we got Cal coming to us in February and then, we go, game. and then we go to Cal poly. So just like this year, two early games against really good WCLL teams. Those are the best though. Those are, those are those tests set the stage for success, uh, later down the road, down the road. Yeah, and we, you know, we tend to drop a few early, but I'd prefer to play a really hard schedule early than, um, you know, and, and see what you've got in your players rather than, you know, slowly bring it along. Um, TCU's coming to play us. We go to U of A. Uh, we got Colorado and Sonoma State coming to us. And then we go to Boston. Plan is to play Northeastern Boston College, who knocked us up, by, knocked us off by a goal this year. Um, and a really good team, and then we're going to play uh, at New Hampshire as well. So three games in three days, and then we've got the GCU ASU uh, combo coming to us as long as well as Colorado State, and then we've got all our conference games. So your Concordia, USC, SDSU, UCLA, and and the Arizona teams. So uh, looks like a pretty pretty good schedule again. Yeah, it looks, it looks good and challenging. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how you guys do next year. And, uh, certainly we'll be excited to see you guys back on the field. None of us like sitting at home, uh, spending extra time on podcasts. Uh, <laughs> here we are. So, Hey Dallas, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Chapman lax coach on Twitter and then Chapman lacrosse on Instagram. There you go. Uh, we'll also post that in the show notes, but coach, thanks a lot for your time. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me punch. All right. Thanks for listening to stall warning. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts or anchor or wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next week.